Sound? Talk radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. What are the chances that Brady Kachuk's going to be in London this season or in Ottawa? We'll see when we get after camp, we'll make a decision whether he stays or not. There's a lot of hypotheticals in there. You know, we don't know what the future will hold for Brady. But if we go based on first impressions, um, I would probably have to tell you that Brady has so far has played up to the level that we've expected of him. Pierre, what's the number one thing you're optimistic about in terms of the Ottawa Senators? We're a team. back at the least up podcast for another uh wonderful episode um <laughs> <laughs> poor pierre yeah oh my god that poor guy poor sense fans yeah yeah this, this uh this, i guess this is episode two of the ottawa senators podcast Continuing yeah this is week. uh episode four uh laced up a hockey podcast colon a hockey podcast um i'm brutes Bataglia. i'm james cole all right welcome to the show yeah. Yep. Um, Lots to talk about. Hmm. 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 Is, is there anything going on outside of hockey? I feel like it was kind of isolated today. I wasn't really on Twitter. I gotta make a better habit of like being on Twitter and stuff like that the day when we record because like I I, I don't know something could have happened today that I don't know about and I'm gonna find out tomorrow that we didn't talk about. But that's fair. I, I, I well, myself I wasn't yet either. So one of us should be at least. Yeah. Perhaps. I. uh... I guess I finished uh, season five of BoJack Horseman mm. this week. It was pretty good. Okay. Did you watch that new um, that Jonah Hill show? No. Maniac. Maniac. You didn't start no, it yet? I haven't started that. It it was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was good. Don't sell it. Yeah. Mm. I, no, it was good. I I enjoyed it, but I kind of I had an issue with it at points. Like I don't know. It seemed like there were points where it was just trying to be like an acting showcase for Jonah Hill and and Emma Stone, which is fine. They can act. But, I don't know. Okay. It was alright. That's fair. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it in four years, because I'm, I'm always late to shows. Yeah, so. Breaking Bad guy. Yeah. How caught up are you now on Breaking Bad? Um, I'm, I'm closing in on the end. Yeah? Yeah. Are you in, like, part like part two of season five? Like, the back half of the 16? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Mm. Taking that's, my time with it. That's crazy. I burned through the first four seasons, and I'm, I'm really dragging this one out. I'm almost caught up on Better Call Saul season four. Okay. I, I forgot to set, a like, a timer for every week. So I, uh, I'm I I didn't see this week's episode, mm. but it it's a great show. Okay, it's really it's a really good spinoff series. You hear spinoff, and then you hear series, and you think it's going to be disaster, but no, it's pretty good. Nice, it's really really good. I think it could it could eclipse Breaking Bad depending what he does with it, because it's still kind of unsure where the show's going, and it's like four and a half seasons into it, but. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I just started Ozark, actually, so like I said, oh, yeah? I'm always a little late to TV shows. Are you, are you liking it? I am, yeah. You know what I found? Like, I watched I watched season one of Ozark. I really enjoyed it. Like, loved it. Mm-hmm. So then season two came out recently, so I'm like, oh, I'll rewatch season one, because I, I don't fucking remember what happened. It was over a year ago, I think, when that first season one came out. So I start watching season two, and I forget what happened, so I start season one again. Don't care for it. <laughs> Okay, for season one, I don't or? like the show anymore. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know why I liked it. I don't think it's that good anymore. Interesting. It's the same episodes that I've seen before and right. that I enjoyed a year ago, 
Maybe I'm more snobby or something now. I don't maybe. know what the hell happened, but I don't, I don't really care for it. Yeah, it's not good. I don't know. I, I I've I heard from some coworkers that season two kind of kind of dragged in comparison to yeah. season one, and it was kind of like a build up just for season three. So the whole I'm season okay with was. That. Yeah, no, that, that's fine. I like you have to sometimes. Uh, like yeah, like this is gonna be a weird thing to say. I like slower moving plots sometimes. Okay. I think if you build up suspense in the right way, which certain shows do. Like, Breaking Bad did it well. Yeah. Uh, the Sopranos did that incredibly well. Of just, like, there'd be episodes where minimal would happen. There'd be plot developments, but not, like, anything major. And then all of a sudden, like, it springs something on you. I don't... Like, I like when movies do that. Sometimes they pull it off. Yeah. I know. You know what else I got caught up on mm. is The the Good Place. You ever see that show? No. It's funny. Yeah. Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. Never heard of it. No? No. Okay, so here's what happens. Is Kristen Bell uh, goes... She dies... She goes to heaven. Spoiler. Okay. Uh, no, no. This is the first ten seconds of the series. She's dead. She wakes up in heaven. Uh, Ted Danson is god of sorts. All or right. at least the guy that's running this particular neighborhood of heaven. So what happens is they split like... <laughs> it's so funny. Oh my god, it's funny. Uh, so they split them up into neighborhoods. And then, like, basically the, the joke of the show is within 10 minutes, Kristen Bell looks at someone and she's like, yeah, I don't belong here. I was a terrible person. I'm, I didn't do any of these things that they think I did. So it's the same name, but they took the wrong Eleanor Shellstrop is basically what happened. Like, they pulled the wrong one from planet Earth okay. and put the shitty one up in heaven. Uh, it's, uh, okay. I can it's see really, how it, there's something there, maybe. It's really funny. There's another guy who is a Buddhist monk that has, like, a... has a uh, vow of silence. And after three episodes, he talks, and you find out... He's also not supposed to be up there. So everyone thinks he's, like, silent, and he's, like, trying to talk to her, and, oh, man, it's so funny. But anyway, season two, not to, like, spoil anything, but mm. I'm going to spoil a little something. She dies again. No, no. She's... <laughs> so she's still dead. There's a celebrity appearance from her husband, Dax Shepard. Nice. And there's a scene where, like, he walks up to her, and he's just like, Looking good, babe, and she's just like right back at you. <laughs> it's pretty funny. All right. It's a good show. Okay, never heard of it. It's That's on Netflix. Good. It is. Oh, yeah. There's 13 seasons, episode one. 13 seasons, episode two, and season three starts tomorrow night, or I guess last night when everyone listens to this. Okay, so you threw me off there. I, I'm pretty sure you, you just said there's 13 seasons, episode one. Oh, sorry, 13 <laughs> episodes. 13 okay. episodes. Oh, yeah, no. 13 seasons. No, no. Oh, it's like oh, you got you got 26 episodes of television okay. to catch okay. up on. It's not really that far. All right. It's, uh, it's show, but okay. <sighs> so that's what everyone thought we were going to talk about, right? Nothing happened in the NHL. Not a thing. Um, all right. So we have to talk about the obvious big news, um, <clears throat> the massacre that happened on the ice, um, that you know could result in some sort of supplementary discipline. Uh, which is obviously the fact that the Flyers rolled out their new mascot, Gritty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, did you think I was talking about Max Domi? Oh, no, no. Oh, Gritty. I... I gotta tell you, James. Gritty's the best, man. I'm pro-Gritty. I don't care. <laughs> I think it's awesome. <laughs> He's the best. Oh my god, he's great. I love him. I love mascots. Like, I'm a sucker for mascots. I love Gritty. See, I'm love the opposite. It. I've never oh, god. I've never loved mascots. See, I'm not like uh, someone that, like, like you see them at a game and it's like, oh, we gotta got fuck around with Gritty or something. It's like, no, like, 
you know, you see kids, they're having a good time, they like this mascot, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, a lot of kids like mascots. This one's kind of terrifying. He's for, like, the the 9 to 14 demographic rather than the, like, 4 to 8, which I guess is what mascots are supposed to be for. But. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, baseball, I think they do it right. They, they can do more with, you know, it's a longer game. There's you got to keep yourself distracted. <laughs> you need more to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. For the most part, Sports mascots. I, don't, I think I don't it's know. cool. I don't, I don't know. Man. I don't care. I love gritty. It was hilarious. Don't oh, get me wrong. Man. I, they, and they did it perfect. You know. So what? My favorite part about gritty was is how they unveiled him. Today's Wednesday. When they unveiled? Was it on Monday? Monday. Monday. So they roll him out on Monday. They're like, "Here's our new mascot." They introduce him with that hilarious fucking video of him skating out to the song. Yeah. He's dancing, and uh, everyone's like, "Oh, sweet Jesus! Like, what is this?" <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, what is this? And as the day went on, it became very, very aware that the Flyers were incredibly, like, cognizant of what Gritty was supposed to be. They knew that this mascot was kind of a joke, almost, by the end of the day. How could you not? And they embraced it. Yeah. The Twitter account is phenomenal. Like, I love that his first, like, it me, hashtag Gritty, it's just him there. I love it. I love that they uh, made a joke out of it. I think it's fun. Who the, cares? It's great. The Who one that killed me was the, I guess, the Penguins Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> replied back, LOL, okay. <laughs> so Gritty replies back with, like, a gif of him looking at the screen. Sleep with one eye open, yeah. bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love him, man. It's kind of like if, uh, if, like, Oscar the Grouch and uh, Big Bird had, like, a, I don't know if they're related, but if they had, like, a cousin maybe that does meth. That's kind of what it reminded me of. He kind of looks like an orange Oscar the Grouch. This is this is Yuppie's brother that just homeless. Oh yeah, it's, U- it's Yuppie from the Montreal yeah. Canadiens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, which is uh, yeah, it was great. And you know what? He embodies the pure spirit of the Flyers because you would think, you know what I mean? The whole day had gone wrong. That maybe you could go to the rink that night and somehow your favorite Flyer would make a save for you, and he just couldn't come through. Get it? Yeah. Get it? Because they haven't had a goalie in uh, uh, 35 years. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. I, 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 I want to know, like, like the people that, that, like, sketched this guy out on a piece of paper for the first time, they, right. they were, they were like, hung over the next day from, like, the Eagles Super Bowl party or something like that. They were, like, just, they went nuts in Philly for one night, and this um, is what they came up with. Yeah. Had to have been. I don't know. I don't, the Phillies didn't have a great weekend, but... Not the Phillies, sorry, the, the Eagles. Oh, sorry, the Eagles, yeah. yeah. No, they're, they're Super Bowl win. Is what I mean. No, 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 when they won the Super Bowl. Like oh, you think that they planned this, oh, like yeah. in February. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Come on, you don't, you don't just maybe. come up with that overnight. Maybe. They had, like, an early stage of gritty or gritty at the uh, at the year-end wrap-up party yeah. in April, and, like, the guy who designed him's like, what the f- <laughs> what's Yuppie doing here from the Montreal Canadiens? like, oh, that's our new mascot. He needs, he needs googly eyes. Yeah. Yeah. You remember when we were at that Super Bowl party in Montreal and you're like, ah, we need one of these. So you kind of like <laughs> ripped him off. Yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah. I love it. It's it's endless entertainment. And you know what? I think if the Flyers do this the right way, I actually think that this is kind of a good thing that they've done. Yeah. Well, they, they, they haven't had mascots since the 70s, so I guess Slap shot. time. Yeah. Was that his name? Yeah. With back problems? <laughs> did you see? I did. I did. Jay and Dan just lost it on the air last night. Oh, man. That was so funny. Yeah. I love it. I don't know. I think it's great. It's endless entertainment. Is he... 
like, is he, he's not the worst mascot that's ever come around. Uh, the worst in the NHL right now is either the Oilers or the uh, Golden Knights. Oh, I just sure. mean, yeah, and of all time, anyway, too. Like, he's definitely not the worst of all time. No. You've got that Devil's mascot that was around for a year and apparently was going around touching women in all the pictures, and they're like, oh, we gotta fucking fire this guy. Mm-hmm. And then someone else is like, yeah, you can't fire the guy. You gotta fire the whole mascot. You can't just put another person in that costume, because if that girl ever goes to the game again, like, she can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can't keep this mascot around. The mascot's done, too, man. Yeah. Like, Boomer from Columbus. I don't know if you remember that one. Boomer. They got the they got the Google like it. the the bug eye guy for the longest time. I think he's back now. But when they brought out their third jerseys the first time, they brought up this new mascot, Boomer, and it it's oh God. it's basically like a walking penis. He looks like a penis, yeah. and he's got, <laughs> <laughs> he's got <laughs> oh, you're welcome. He's got, he's got, <laughs> he's got the two wheels on the side kind of yeah. like balls too yeah, that's, oh man yeah hey, you know what he also he actually kind of looks like a pipe too uh they said a bong yeah, yeah he kind of yeah. looks like a ball bong yeah i guess when he's upright but even if you put him on his side it's kind of like a pipe oh man <laughs> that's not good oh hey, kids. See, yeah the, bu- the bug guy is way better like look yeah. at that guy he's yeah, he's, he's, back. he's actually cool i, I like that that's a good... When when did they do the pipe? I mean, Boomer. When did the when was uh, Boomer the guy? 07 or 08 or something like that. Oh, my God. He did God. not last long. Oh, yeah, because they unveiled him with these stupid fucking jerseys they had. Yeah. Look, the bug eye's there, too. So, <laughs> so, so, so he's watching Boomer take his job. That's garbage. That's, uh... Yeah. Boomer looks very cross as well. Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not a happy. He's, he's not a happy penis. It's, it's like, yeah, Boomer's not happy, and Bug Eye looks like he's suddenly got eyebrows out of nowhere, and they're both pointing down like he's like an angry cartoon character. Oh man, right, I'm gonna well. have to tweet that out from the uh, from the account so people know. Good. What we're talking about when we, uh, fan when we talk about here. that? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Well, maybe maybe that's enough of, of mascot talk. mascots. Uh, so I'm pro gritty. Are you pro gritty? I'm anti mascot. You're anti mascot. So. so it's not so much gritty. Uh, no. You loved the humor he brought I you like, for a day. I like the hula hoop thing he's got going on yeah. underneath. It's 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 different. I he's guess. He's good. Uh, I like him. Yeah. I sure. like him. He is terrifying though. Like at, <laughs> like I was looking at him and I'm like, ah, whatever. Like all mascots are scary, but in their own way, right? Like, yeah, it's just scary because so. it's just this big walking thing. And then, like, and then I saw more pictures of him as the day went on. And, like, once you get his eyes going, it's like, holy man. Yeah, it's, he's frightening. Yeah. He embodies the flyers. I mean, I guess it's nothing that, you know, people living in Philadelphia haven't seen before. You know, the whole Yeah, that was my thought, too, yeah. right? Like, people were saying, like, kids are going to be terrified from it. No, they're not. These kids have been growing up on the streets for years, man. Like, they're street smart. Street smarts! Yeah. They're aware, man. Like, they, they've got, like, a money clip ready to go with fake money to throw so that way the robber will go chase it and the, stuff like that. The Philly Fanatic might be more famous than the team that he represents. So, yeah. They're, they're... Who's the Philly Fanatic? The... I'm just kidding. Oh, wow. All right. Because no, it's more famous, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about hockey. Yes. Um, Shea Theodore. Yeah. Well, let's do Shea Theodore first because yeah. that's the happiest topic we have yeah, of the one. rest of these the rest of the show is not it's all happy. downhill from here There's mascots um, and we're whittling down from there yeah 
So Shea Theodore, uh, seven years, $5.2 million with the Vegas Golden Knights. $5.2 million average, that is, yeah. rather. Um, yeah, uh, so it's an extension. Um, well, it's not an extension. It's a it's a current deal because he was holding out. He was a contract holdout. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the deal? Because this is one I think you could kind of go either way on. The thing is you're talking about a guy that's not necessarily all that proven, right? Yeah, and I, I know a lot of people pointed to that right off the bat you know he hasn't played a full season in the league yet um he could barely crack the lineup last year for the you know inaugural golden knights um i like it i I think the term might come back to bite them if it doesn't work out but you know the players gonna want the term the team's gonna want the lower cap hit so you, you give a little you take a little um Look, I, I love Shea Theodore. I, I thought that was a, a nice pickup for them at the uh, expansion draft. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't really, you know, gotten his, his due yet uh, at the NHL level. Uh, I think it's coming. I hope this season is... Uh, it's going to now. Yeah, it has Because he, he is yeah. their undisputed number one defenseman now with Nate Schmidt. Right. Like, yeah. he is... You're right. Yeah. Who is it? Colin Miller? Like, it's not Colin Miller. Colin Miller's good, he's but... Yeah. Colin Miller's a fine 3-4. Yeah. Like, well, he's... Well, I guess he's number two. Then. I don't I Is he? <laughs> yeah, probably. Is he? I, well, last year he was. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think the Theodore deal, people are going to people are gonna jump on it because he hasn't played yet. But if, you know, the guy goes out and has a great year this year, you're laughing. Yeah. You're looking great. It reminds me of when Dallas kind of did the same thing with John Klingberg and signed okay. him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, before he had really proven anything, his first deal wasn't as big and wasn't as long. Right. But, uh... Well, well, that's, you're, that you're, sounded dirty. You're, you're seeing the shift too. Like I think uh, Tarasenko is another example. of These young guys that you know yeah. they're not doing the bridge thing anymore. No, they're not they're, waiting until they're, they're thirty to get the big money. Right, and there's a lot of times where they get the big money and it makes sense to big, give them the big money. But like there have been instances where teams signed a guy that you know maybe had not proven his worth yet yeah. and kind of you know bought, basically had faith in him and kind of signed him, you know. Jacob Slavin is another one that comes to mind in Carolina. That's fair. Mike Matheson yeah. is another one that comes to mind in Florida. Maybe necessarily hasn't worked out quite to the level of those other two players. But Jeff uh, Finger from many years ago even. Ugh. Yeah. That worked out well. Mm. Go Leafs, go. Yeah. I like the deal. Um, you know, like there was a large contingent of people that really didn't love um, the fact that the Ducks moved him. I mean, yeah. you kind of had to. Yeah, you're stuck there. A little you know bit. what I mean? Yeah. Like, there were people who thought maybe they moved the wrong guy, but what else are you going to do? Well, it looked worse even when they ended up trading Vatnin less than a year later, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you uh, you could have let Vatnin go. Maybe you don't get the return. But for... I think the reason they let Vatnin go, too, like, and I guess Theodore to an extent, is, is maybe that they knew they were getting something out of Josh Manson that people didn't know they were getting. Maybe. And now, yeah. you know, like, Josh Manson's this big frame defensive defenseman who traditionally can't skate all that well. And yeah. Josh Manson can move he for can. his size. Yeah, like he, he's yeah. a good skater uh, for his size, that is. And, uh, you know, for me, um, sorry, I thought David Bodie hit another walk-off home run. It wasn't him. Um, for me, like, I like it. I like Theodore there. Yeah. I think it's a good signing. No, I, I agree. Uh, I'm wondering when the money train is going to run out in Vegas because it seems they were hammering out uh, these big contracts left and right. But... Uh, I guess they got a little wiggle room left. Well, did they sign William Carlson to one? Am I like remembering that? They yeah. didn't sign him to a big one. Yeah. Did they? 
Big-ish. I thought it was a bridge deal, like a one-year deal or something. Uh, I thought he got a one-year deal. I, I don't was, remember what William well, Carlson got. You I, keep talking. I want to say he's in the ballpark of what Theater just got, like, yeah? cap-wise. Cap-wise, but it wasn't a long-term. No, it was, uh, oh yeah, it was a uh, just a settlement before the arbitration hearing, uh, 5.25, one-year deal. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I get it, like, the money train long-term eventually was going to run out. But, I mean, who do they really have that's signed long-term? Like, they have Riley Smith for another four years, I think. Marcia So just signed for, I guess, another six years, which yeah. is fine. Like, you know what I mean? He is he is their star. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, Marcia So is the heart and soul of that team. Yeah, yeah. Well, other than Flurry, Patches. Flurry. You have Flurry. You have Patches. Stasny. I like the Patches uh, deal. Stasny, too, but Stasny's shorter term as well. Stasny's only three years. Is it three years? Now? Yeah. Okay. It was only three year deal. Um, Nobody on the defense. Well, now, well, Theodore now. But yeah. No, no real, you know, handcuffs on the on the defensive no, side of things. Not really. You got Clarkson buried. I think his contract's up pretty soon. I think so. But Clarkson's going to be off the books just because LTIR. you know you have him on LTIR. Yeah. So you you know, the team has money. Right. Like it's not like you're talking about a budget franchise that, you know, maybe like the Senators or the Hurricanes where they're trying to save money. Um, the owner's trying to save money, like. Bill Foley's got money. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's exactly. not too worried about it. It's almost as if they have Jerry Bruckheimer owning the team. Yeah. Yeah. People think the money's going to run out in Seattle. <laughs> Seattle's going to be fine. Yeah. Seattle's going to have lots of money. They'll be, they'll be just fine. Yeah. yeah. Them and the Leafs will go have money parties. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Caviar and top of the Sears Tower. The Trump Tower now. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Sears, too. Uh. The proud sponsor of today's podcast, uh, Sears. Get yourself some stuff at Sears. Sure. Um, <laughs> we done with Theodore? I I don't know. I, I can't really say much more. I, I like it. I, yeah. It's, it's okay. It's I don't fine. Know what, yeah, I don't know if there's much more to talk about with Theodore. Um, I think that was kind of... Those were the two shortest topics we have. I think the other ones kind of involve a little more conversation, uh, a little less action. Mm. All this aggravation. I can't believe John had never heard that particular Elvis Presley song. Yeah, not many either. Like it's not like he knew a bunch of other ones and no. just missed that one somehow. He doesn't know any. Yeah. Kids these days, eh? Yeah. He's older than me, Ugh. but um, the Max Domi incident. Yeah. We haven't sat down since then. No, I guess not. Um, for those who are not aware, uh, which if you're listening to this podcast, you're more than likely aware. Um, you should be. Max Domi was suspended for the remainder of the NHL preseason for a sucker punch, uh, to the face of the Florida Panther defenseman, Aaron Ekblad. Um, he was immediately ejected from the game following the play and subsequently the next day was suspended for the remainder of the preseason. Now, there's an issue with this. <laughs> there's many issues. Oh, yeah. But the, a couple. The first issue is that they gave him the amount of games that they could give him without calling, or sorry, without having to do the in-person hearing. Like, they could do that one over the phone. Yeah. If they were to give him one more, he had to fly in. He could waive his right, I guess, to the in-person. You can still do it over the phone. Mm. But it almost seems like the NHL was just like, let's just bury this. It's preseason. 
let's not make it more than it needs to be, of, unfortunately, I hate to say this, let's not make that type of news out of a now star <coughs> player for a major market team. Yeah. Whether or not you want to look at Max Domi as a star player, and whether or not you want to admit it, he kind of is their star forward other than Druin. Like, he is. Like, yeah. who is it? It's not yeah. Tatar. Yeah. It, it's Gallagher, maybe, a little bit. It's not Paul Byron. Like, you like Byron, but he's not your star. Domi's got that... Name he, he factor. Has, he has... Name factor, but he has that grit that he was clearly trying to prove. Mm. He has qualities that are going to bring people to the rink certain nights to watch him. Now, it's not the same type of quality, not the same level that you would go watch a Sidney Crosby, but, like... Yeah. Basically, you're talking about a guy that is a major, major facet of a major, major team. Yeah. To a fault, uh, perhaps, but... Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I don't really understand what he was trying to prove, either. Um, he's not going to be doing that, or he shouldn't be doing that on a regular basis uh, in the lineup. Like He's not out there to but maybe, set the maybe, tone. Maybe he wants to. But like, maybe this I... is... Maybe, but, I don't know. Maybe he's trying to be like his dad. And he's just trying to make a name for himself in a major market and come in with a bang, and you know what I mean. Does Does he know that he got to the NHL by not, not being like his dad? Yeah, uh, I understand that. Uh, yeah, he's had two fights. Well, I don't. Know, you can't even call that a fight, but you, he's had two instances with his fists in his career that have kind of defined his time in the NHL so far. You, you go back to his rookie season; he's on pace to contend for the Calder. Gets in a fight, breaks his hand. That's the end of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, and he never really was the same player in Arizona after that. No. And now you're you're gonna start off your first preseason game for your new franchise by by doing that, and missing the remainder of of camp essentially. Right. I don't. Uh... I I look at this in in a certain way, and and it kind of brings me back to the way that the that Montreal has been moving over the past few years, is they bring in a Shea Weber over a Subban, they want to get bigger, they want to get tougher. At the deadline a few years ago, they're trying to make the playoffs, they're trying to make a splash, they're trying to compete with the Bostons of the East. They bring in an Andreas Martinson. They bring in a Dwight King. They bring in, you know, like Nick Delorier over mm. the last few years. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, Ryan White's made his, his, uh, his way in and out of that city a few times. I almost wonder if this is the Montreal Canadiens bringing in a guy like Max Domi and saying, we know you have the skill, we know you have the speed, we know you have the smarts. Bring that gritty side to the team. Bring more of what we know you can do in terms of those types of intangibles to try and ignite your team. Yeah, maybe. Because the Canadians have inexplic- inexplicably been adding more of these types of players over the years. And I almost wonder, maybe if it's not Bergevin, if it's an ownership thing, or if it's both, or or maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like in Montreal there is this consistent need to trend in that direction. And I almost wonder if that's what Max Domi was trying to do that night. If he was taking to heart something that maybe Bergevin had said a little too far. I hope not, but you're right. It was an odd move. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm hoping it was more of a in the moment heated. I hope so cool. too. I hope so too but, because I don't know. You know, like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, 
there are only so many players in the league that you have to worry about just losing their shit and maybe just attacking someone at random. Like, who is there in the league right now that you would have to worry about? Like, is Zach Ronaldo still in the league? I don't think so. Like, maybe Ronaldo loses his shit like that. Or, like, if he's still in the American Hockey League in someone's system, like, maybe he does that. Maybe a little bit with Marshawn, do you kind of worry about that kind of stuff? But, like, most of his... Like, I don't... When was the last time Marshawn just suckered a guy? Like, I don't remember no. him doing that. No. He kind of does weirder things that he just seems to take a little too far. Yeah. That was kind of blatantly just attacking a guy that really had no interest in what you were doing. Yeah. What history... Like, Ekblad's a tough enough guy. What history does Ekblad have scrapping guys? Like, I didn't None, as far as no, I know. Like, I, not a lot. Can't speak to You him. know what I mean? Yeah. You're not talking about... Like, maybe he got Ekblad confused with Eric Goodbranson, who used to play in Florida. Like, I don't... Goodbranson will scrap you. Goodbranson will mop the floor with you, Max <laughs> Domi. But, you know, like, I don't know what he was thinking, what he was trying to prove... And even in the regular season, I don't know why Ekblad is the guy you go after. Like, is Ekblad the one you should be worried about on Florida? Not Barkov or Huberdo or... Yeah. You know what I mean? Hoffman. Yeah, I don't know. That's kinda I'd love why, to hit Mike Hoffman. That's kind of why I keep going back to, like, this whole in-the-moment thing. Like, if someone pisses you off right then and there... Yeah, I'm not saying hit the guy, but, like, that's better than the team saying go out and do this kind of kind of stuff. So, you know, if Ekblad's pissing you off, yeah, okay. You're pissed off at Ekblad. I, I get it. It's, I don't. I don't think it matters who he attacked. It's the fact that he attacked him, and that's. But ask him to go. Oh, I, I think he did, based on the video. But if he says no, then just skate away. Right. Well, you have to. Like yeah. Ekblad is so much bigger than you. If Ekblad wanted to go you, he'd go you. You know what I mean? And if you think you can beat him, then great. But. Like, what are you proving by suckering him? Like the oh, I can beat him after all. No one thinks you can beat Ekblad just as much as they did five minutes ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone still thinks Ekblad is much, much bigger than you, much, much tougher than you. Like, yeah, your dad your dad beat the hell out of some pretty big guys in his playing time. I watched it happen on many occasions. Cheered it from I the owned, couch. I owned a Ty Domi shirt when I was seven years old. Bought it at the ACC, I might add. But, nice. like, now defunct. No mm. longer the ACC. R.I.P. I I don't understand the logic in his head. Yeah. And to me, again, I think that that might be why that came from somewhere else. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know if Claude... Like, I don't think Claude Julien's the type to tell you to do that. Claude Julien likes his teams to play on the edge. But Claude Julien is a good coach, and, and he is smart enough to know that he can't have... Again, I'm sorry to say it, one of his best forwards running around and doing that. Yeah. You know. I hope not. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sergey Bobrovsky um, made some comments, or didn't make some comments, about his future in Columbus. Um, some Russian comments, for sure. Okay, so you're right, in a sense. Because I like the hockey. That's... That's great, Russian Nicholas Cage. Um, okay, so there's my brother. For <laughs> where, where is my brother, <laughs> Reza? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so Bobrovsky. For those of you who did not hear, uh, was asked this week about 
his contract status with the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you don't know, he's a pending unrestricted free agent next summer. Um, as is Artemi Panarin, his friend and comrade, <laughs> you might say. Um, he made some comments that he was asked about his contract status. And he basically said that he didn't want to talk about it, that if they had any questions uh, that they need to ask Columbus uh, management, they know what my plans are beyond this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that he had basically informed them what his plans are after the season. He was also asked uh, where his head's at, and he mentioned that he's a Columbus Blue Jacket for now, and then continued to talk like he had not said just what he had said. Yeah. Um, now the first, my first reaction when I saw the video is, is I'm always cautious when I hear something uh, said by someone whose first language is not English. Because no, be, because a like people whose language first language is not English use different words in different ways. Right. So I don't want to take what he said and make it seem like he was passively aggressively saying that he's leaving Columbus and that he's got some issues with them. Mm-hmm. But it sure as hell sounded like that's what he was saying. Yeah. He, uh, he really made it sound that way. And not a lot of non-Russians tend to say that type... Like, not a lot of Canadians or Americans say that kind of stuff. So I don't know if it is a language barrier thing, but it certainly was a bizarre, really bizarre sort of comment. And now it's it's entering the season where, you know, Columbus's storyline was like, you know, can we win the division? Can we get over the hump? And now their story is like, okay, your two best players, probably your two best players, might leave after the season. What do you do about that? Yeah, I don't really understand where it's coming from. Like, everyone's situation is different, but to have two players in their prime-esque uh, both going through this at the same time, and both showing interest to leave Columbus. Like it's not like this is the Columbus Blue Jackets from 0304. No, uh, this team can win. They've been winning. I mean, hell, they were a, a win away from knocking off the the Capitals in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Um, so so you gotta you gotta wonder like what's what's going on? Like what don't we know about Columbus that's driving these players away? Is it poor management? Is it just the town life, you know, the Russians don't like the college kids. I, I don't know. I don't, well, I don't really understand. I don't want to go out on a limb here, James. And I don't want to slander anyone. Sounds like you're gonna. But it's possible, maybe, that some people don't love playing for John Tortorella. No, a player's coach, you're saying. It's possible. Mm. I'm not saying, you know, that that's the thing. Except a lot of people... It's don't thing. like playing it's the thing. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. This is a team that seems to be headed in the right direction. Jarmo Kekalainen is one of the best GMs in the league. Oh, yeah. um, he's put a contingent on scouting overseas unlike a lot of teams have done before. He's put so, a contingent on putting John Tortorella behind the bench unlike other Well, that's teams a weird... That's, isn't it weird? Because, yeah. like, every other decision he seems to make, I'm on board with. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. It's the only move that I think Columbus has made since Kekalainen's been there where I'm like, I don't yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I love the Jones for Johansson trade. Yeah. You know, I, I think Johansson's been great in Nashville. 
Nashville could afford to make the deal. It's not like they lost the deal. But, like, that that's probably going to work out. Like, they're going to get the better player out of that trade. Again, another Moving trade, forward. though, that was due in part to Tortorella. Right. Johansson wanted out. It wasn't it wasn't like Columbus wanted to trade Johansson necessarily. I imagine I imagine people in Nashville don't get along with Ryan Johansson either though. You never know. He doesn't seem like the easiest person to get along with. Sure. But yeah, I don't know. And like it's Panarin I I can understand. You know, you got that guy badgering in your ear all game long, but Brovsky's sixty feet away in the net. Well, you know, he's he's not necessarily listening yeah, to Torrella too much. That's true. I don't know. And it could it could be like it could be a culture thing. Like there could be a lot of people in Columbus that have issues playing there, and maybe that's why, you know, maybe no one wants to stay there if Torres is going to be the coach, and Bobrovsky doesn't want to be a part of that. Yeah, that, um, just fair. You know, maybe Bobrovsky wants to be a starter in a place where he's going to have more attention. Like maybe he kind of craves the spotlight. Doesn't seem like it to me. I've never really heard him say too much before. Seems like a pretty quiet guy. Yeah, played in Philly. Not all that well. Goes to Columbus, quieter place. You know what I mean? Less to worry about, and he's fantastic. Right. Yeah. So, you know, he's allowed his game to come to a new place in Columbus. A couple of Vesnas. Uh, yeah. I exactly. Don't, I don't know. It's, it's not performance, that's, that's to say the least. No. But, but it, is, what it is bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah. What a contract talk today. For September, yeah. 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 More, more coming. Oh, good. The whole, the rest of the contract, or the yeah, rest, rest of the, the episode. That's, yeah, I'm calling. If you don't it like out. contracts, I'd tune out now, folks. Yeah, but. it's uh, it's uh, very litigal. It's fair. I didn't use that. Um, while we're on Columbus, Seth Jones, out four to yeah. six weeks. Yeah, it just came out today. Not great news. No, not not for Columbus. Not if they no. want to keep their goaltender around, anyway. No. You want to keep Seth Jones healthy. Yeah. Because he is your best defenseman, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, not, yeah. Not as long as uh, some other teams have had to deal yes, with. Yes, also today. Yeah. Um, Corey Perry wow. will be out five-plus months. Ducks dodged a bullet there. With a surgery to his meniscus. Um, I'll say it. I was really one of the few people that's not a Ducks fan. That was really on the Corey Perry revenge tour train and was kind of hoping he would get like 30, 35 goals this year. Didn't look like it was going to happen. Really wasn't holding out a lot of hope, but there was some hope there. Oh. I'm disappointed to see this. Well, you see, Brits, you can only run over so many opposing goaltenders with your knee um, to the head before your knee will eventually give out. Mm. So it appears as though that has finally happened. And rightfully so. I don't wish ill health to anyone but I'm not exactly crying over the fact that Corey Perry is going to be missing the majority of the season this year mm. I love Corey Perry yeah. he's my kind of player man love it love it love yeah. those guys that play over like on the edge of the game except Tom Wilson apparently uh, well yeah big contract I don't, I don't, Tom I don't love trying to give people concussions so I don't like him. Oh, I also like a, don't like, like a goalie's head guys that, down oh, around. Fuck! It happened on. one time. Let oh, it go. One you're, time. You're like you're like the fucking one time. Reported. You're like a Calgary Flames fan that's still bitching about the goal line fifteen years later. Like, come on. <sighs> Parallax view. One reported. It's brutal. Yeah. Uh, well, whatever. Um, 
anyway, it, it's not amazing news for the Ducks. No. I guess your silver lining, if you're the Ducks, is that you can move Andre Cash up in the lineup, um, who's looked like he's kind of on the verge of a breakout season. Now, definitely might be on the verge of a breakout season. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, he's he going to get that it. opportunity. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to play with Getzlaff every night, more than likely. So, um, I like it. For yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> you like the injury. For him. <laughs> <laughs> for Kasha. It's good news for Kasha. It's it's not great news for, uh, for Corey Perry or the Ducks necessarily. Yeah. The good news, I guess, for them is uh, is Patrick Eves is back in skating, and they're optimistic that he's going to get in uh, and make a comeback this year. Um, you could probably toss that $8 million on the uh, LTIR for the time being as well. So Yeah, but the thing with the LTIR is I don't think you can activate them. I think once they're on, they're on. They have to pass their waivers or something like that. And yeah, no one's picking up that contract. That's true. <laughs> That's like, is that what it is though? You have well, to go yeah, on waivers because, to go like, through the LTIR. Because if you're only making like in? league minimum, there's no reason to put you on LTIR because you pass through waivers needlessly because someone will take the chance on you at league minimum. Right. So you have LTIR for those bigger money contracts that are eating up cap space. So it is a waiver thing, though? Yeah, I believe it's a waiver. Yeah, they could they could realistically do that. They could. And try to patch the hole, I guess, before he potentially comes back. Sure. I mean, like, what like what's going to happen? Like, do you think Corey Perry's going to come back in March, and someone's going to claim Corey Perry in deep March? No, like, no one's going to claim him in deep March, even, like, and put that if, on the books. Even if they do. Who's like, going to have eight fucking million in cap hit or cap space free to claim Corey Perry in March. Yeah. The Ottawa Senators. That's uh, it. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Duck, Ducks might be praying for a buyout at this point, TBH. If, uh, yeah. you know, if Kashuk, you know, steps in and fills the role, like, what do you need Corey Perry for at this point? He's, he's, yeah. he's falling apart. He did his job. He got the cup. Like, let's You're right. On. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Corey Perry's ever going to return to form. He's not. But I will say that, like, if he were to, he is a hard player to replace. Right? Like, they're praying he's going to come back to form. They're hoping he's going to come back to form. Is Kasha going to turn into Perry? Like, when he's at his best? Like, I don't think Kasha has that in them. Is Nick Ritchie going to turn into Perry? Like, probably not. Yeah. You know? Like, they're not getting another Perry. Their only hope for another Perry is to keep Corey Perry. Do you need Corey Perry, though? No, you have Kessler to start shit. You, have Nick, yeah. you already have Ritchie. They got a lot of shit to servers as it is. The so. makeup of the league is starting to shift a little bit. Like, uh, I don't know. Those guys aren't really critical on your They're team They're winning anymore. the division, James. Okay. That was a bad prediction. Yeah. Man. I don't it's know why. I, don't, worse. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. Why do we do season predictions? That early? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. Uh, one more thing to talk about. Um, William Carlson. No, William Nylander. Yeah, there you go. We already talked about William Carlson. Yeah. Uh, William Nylander. No contract still. Still without a contract. Yeah, Probably going to sign tomorrow before we post the podcast. Oh, definitely. This is, this um, is a guarantee now that he's going to sign. So. so, okay. So, the reason we wanted to talk about it, too, is because, A, it doesn't seem like there's been any real development as of late. Um, but also, B, because I don't know if we, even though we are admittedly Leaf fans, we really haven't talked a ton about the Leafs on the podcast. We've addressed a lot of other Canadian teams in really fine detail. Well, Sens fans don't want to listen to the Leafs any more than they already do, right? No, but... So it's a Sens uh, podcast, uh, and we can't talk about the Leafs a lot. The Sens need to start shopping, like, the fans need to start shopping for a new team. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, Willie Nylander, um, 
obviously, I think he sees himself as part of that. Can't call it the big three anymore. I guess the big four. You wanna, you wanna go with that. I don't know if that rolls off the tongue quite as nicely, but uh, definitely one of those centerpieces that was coming up um, for the Leafs. Supposed to bring them back to the glory. He's had a couple good seasons. Nothing that you'd call overly successful. Like I, I think I think we all expected a little bit more out of him last year than what he gave us. And um, I think there's potential there, obviously, for him to be you know a consistent threat goal goal scorer in, in the league. And he wants to get paid like it. The problem is, is that he hasn't yet. There's no way to tell if he ever really will. That's the gamble. That's sports, you know. You gotta go through those uh, decisions. And, um, yeah, this is one of those weird ones where I, I might actually prefer a bridge deal in this, in this scenario. Um, it's tough. I don't okay. know. Well, that was gonna be my question to you. Because, okay. Okay. I mean, as guys that... I don't know what you would say, but I would say out of 82 games, I probably watch about 75 of them yeah. from start to finish. Around there. Um, so I pretty much see every minute of hockey that this team plays in a season. Right. Pretty close to it. Um, you're pretty close. We've been watching this team for 20 years. Um, you know, like, I feel like we're informed enough to maybe kind of play arm, armchair GM here. If you're the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you, not if you're Kyle Dubas, if you're you and you're you're sitting in that spot, yeah. what... what is fair for William Nylander, what do you offer? How old is he again? He's 22? Mm. I'm, I'm just trying to think yeah, when, when think he would be right. UFA. Uh, 22. Okay, so he's 22. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably offer four years. That way you're not cutting into UFA time. Four. Well, 27 is UFA, so by the time he's... We have the contract end, you know, so that's, he's 26. And then you can still... You still got rights over him. Mm-hmm. Um, four years, call it, and... I don't know, like... Is he worth I mean, as much as Marlowe? As much as Marlowe? Yeah. Like Without last a year? Doubt last year? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, like... Yeah. I, I don't see how you can argue he's not. The only thing that Marlowe really brings to the Leafs that William Nylander doesn't is leadership and experience. But at the end of the day, like, Marlowe got 45 points, I think, for the Leafs last year. Nylander still got 61. Um, he is still, I would argue, a faster skater. He's got better hands. Like he, And you have to think, like, you have to pay him for what you think he is going to be as well. Like, Marlowe, you know what he is. You pay him for what he's going to be, sort of, but, like, he's not going to be worth $6.25 million two no, years from no, now at the end of that year. contract, no, right? Like, no. no, he might be this year, but probably not. He barely was last year. You know, you can make an argument he wasn't. Yeah. Um, but th- there is a, a degree of, of strategy involved here. Y- yes, you have to pay him for what you think he's going to be, but you c- also can't deny the I mean, facts. you don't have to, Yeah. But. You also you also can't deny the fact that you're you you're, you're paying John Tavares eleven million dollars already. You're already paying that money. It's it's not like you can mm-hmm. say, "Hey Willie, we think you're worth eleven million dollars too, but sorry, we've only got eight that we can give you. Will you take eight? Well, no. The player's not always going to do that. The player's got to look out for himself as well. And you know that's that's, I guess the, the big dance as far as uh, 
uh, contract worlds go in sports, but it's tough. Uh, I, I don't think Willie's done enough in Toronto to, like, I don't think he's ahead of Tavares. No. I don't think he's ahead of Austin. No. I don't think he's ahead of Mitch. No. You need a defenseman in that core somewhere. You got Riley Riley. signed for another five years. Sure. But you're paying paying Riley. Yeah. You need your goalie. Yeah. Eventually the money's going to run out somewhere. Yeah. But, I mean, (sighs) the problem is, is that do you think that they can find a William Nylander talent elsewhere? I don't think they can. No. I don't think they have another one budding in their system. I don't think that that is a replaceable player. And that's where it gets at to me, where, like, they have to make it work. They have to find a way. Like, they have a very unique opportunity that I don't think any teams in the league have had the opportunity to do, is to essentially, other than Tavares, build within a core that is probably going to produce four better forwards than we've seen a team do in the last 10 years, 15 years. You know what I mean? Like, if you've got Nylander and Matthews on one line and you get Tavares and, and Marner on another line, like, that, the potential that your offense can have there, I think you have to harness that potential there. It, to me, you have to do anything to make it work. I can't imagine Willie's going in there and asking for $10 million a year. If he is, then that's a different story. Um... My thought is Willie's got to be asking something close to eight years, eight million a year. And to me, I honestly think I'd give it to him. Okay, I think so. I, I think he's worth about that. My I, again, my problem just like lies the, the, in the thing. Fact the that thing is, I get the production, I get that discussion, but you're trying to turn him into this playmaking winger. Well, at some point, he's got to get some free reign to start shooting the puck. At some point, you have to kind of treat this guy as a different type of player than just a one-dimensional playmaker and things like that. So, at some point, he's, you know, he can start shooting the puck. You can't honestly watch that kid shoot the puck and tell me that if he didn't fire, you know, 250 high-quality chances at the net in a year, that he's not scoring at least 30 goals. No, and I don't. He think... has got an unbelievable release. It's close to Matthews, honestly. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think his skill is necessarily where we should focus uh, the problem here. I think it's more about there's not enough slices in the pie to go around. And is, Mitch and Austin are going to get new contracts again. Next yes year. and no. Like I, I think that there are other teams that have been out there that have built around a core. Uh, I mean, we're talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins here, right? Like, we're kind of talking about the Blackhawks on a very shorter term. But, like, we're talking about the Penguins here where they, you know, they've paid Malkin, they've paid Crosby, they are now paying Kessel, they've paid Latang, they've paid Flurry in the past. Um, sort of. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, okay, let's go four players. Let's go Malkin, Crosby, Kessel, Latang. They're not paying Kessel's whole contract, though. That's percentage the on the cap. Let's talk percentage of cap hit when they got those players. It's still six point eight million a year. Okay. Okay. In a few years from now, six point eight is going to be the equivalent of eight million dollars a year. Say you're paying Nylander eight million dollars a year. Like it's going to be about the same percentage that you're paying those four players. Maybe. So it will be. Like if the cap continues to go up what they think it's going to go up to. Yeah. So my thought on that is just that I think that there are ways to produce cheaper guys to fill your lineup up with. They're old, like, they're trying it with Ennis right now. Yeah. Ennis, I think, is going to work out. Like, you know what I mean? He's going to be there. Maybe he's only going to be there a year. 
but I think he's going to come in and get 50 points. They have so many sports science guys that are working on this kind of stuff and recognizing these diamonds in the rough and finding ways to harness the talent that you have. Like, you could call up Jeremy Bracco and he might be able to get 35 points for you this sure. year. Like, there sure. are ways to fill out your lineup. You, the problem is you have to be sure about the people you're giving money to. I'm sure about William Nylander. Whether or not the Leafs are, and whether I I'm, could be wrong, like, I'm sure about him, but I, I could be wrong. I'm mm -hmm. an idiot. Mm -hmm. You know. Like, they have to be sure about it. So I understand why the, the holdout's happening. Yeah. I just think that is the way to go. Yeah. Is to sign him and go with it. I don't know. Like, y you talk about the Penguins there a little bit. Latang, let's call Latang and Riley a wash. Uh, they're making similar bucks. Uh, call their goaltenders a wash. And now you got to add three forwards on the Leafs in double-digit territory, and then Willie Nilander. Three? Yeah, come on. Austin's getting around Tavares' money next next summer. Yeah, Marner's not. Marner's gonna be not far behind. See, I have an issue with that. No. I don't. Th I really. He brings that. You he's brought many, it. He's brought it for half a year. Of the two years he's been there. You know how many Leafs have had seventy-point seasons? I get it. I understand. Okay. That. But he's got the numbers, whereas Willie doesn't. The okay, but the first half of the year, where was he? And then he clicked eventually. I'm just saying, like, I'm not sure that Marner's really done that much more than William Nylander to deserve that money. Like, I don't think he's a guaranteed eleven million dollar player. Maybe not eleven. Maybe you know, nine and a half. You know what I mean? Okay. It, 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 I'm just saying, there's a pretty significant difference there in, you know the actual money that you're paying these guys. Okay. I don't know. I guess we'll find out, because yeah. as fun as this is, All right. we are not the GM. Well, yeah, we played armchair GM, I guess. So what What do you think? What? What's? Bridge how does deal. it end? I think, I think it's a bridge deal. It's a bridge deal? Yeah. What, I, I what's think your thought? Six, six mil-ish for two or three years, and then see what you get out of them. Yeah. And I know, I know Willie doesn't want that. I know the Leafs don't want that, but I think we all want eight years. I think that's not the problem. I think that Willie probably wants... Eight or nine million dollars, and the Leafs want to give them maybe seven. Yeah, and you're splitting hairs maybe at some point. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say eight years, sixty million is what it gets. Seven point five cap it. I'd be fine with that. I think I just I, did that in my head. So yeah, yeah that should make sense. I, I would love that as a Leaf fan. I would love that, but I just I don't know if Willie will take seven and a half because you're right. In, Dubas, in, in a man, few years, in Dubis we trust is gonna be not seven and a half anymore, right? In Dubis, we trust. Got a lockout coming up here. So. We can talk. I can't wait to talk. So, yeah, I hope you didn't get bored with the Leafs talk because there's going to be some Leaf talk next week. Um, before we get into our top 10 for the week, because we're done with the regular part of the episode here, um, we have a guest next week, our first guest on the podcast. Yes. Um, a very, very, just incredibly interesting dude that I've known for years. Um, who's got a really, really rich background in the game of hockey. He's been to a lot of places. He's seen a lot of things. Actually has a tie to Kyle Dubas, which is going to be an interesting conversation because he has some interesting opinions about the Leafs because he's not a Leafs fan. He's a Habs fan. Um, I love the guy. Some of his opinions, he might be the Alex Jones of hockey and some of his nice. thoughts on what's going to happen. But he actually might know what he's talking about too. He's got really interesting opinions, especially with the William Nylander thing. So I'm going to be interested to see how... Uh, that all turns out before we sit down and talk to our guests next week. So awesome. it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, so we're going to be doing that episode. We're hoping it'll be out either Tuesday or Wednesday. We also plan to do a regular episode for the Friday. It's probably going to be a bit shorter um, because we can only talk about so much uh, in that time. But uh, yeah, okay. Top 10? Top 10. Top 10. Top 10. I don't think we announced to anyone what our top 10 was this no, week. No, we didn't last week either, I don't think. We did it right at the end. Uh, top 10, in the spirit of our contract talks, it's the top 10 contract holdouts or disputes. Crazy stories. In the history of the NHL. Um, I actually did not write it down on mine, so you're going to have to introduce the list as we go down. Sure. Because I don't have it on my computer here. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, the stipulations black. for the list is it had to involve uh, a team and a contract that basically a player was waiting for um, the two team the two sides to come to terms so um, we had some discussion whether or not like Doug Gilmore would qualify Doug Gilmore does not qualify because it was an arbitration issue that he asked for a trade because he did not like the ruling. hearing yeah, uh, yeah, yeah the ruling in his arbitration case um, we didn't really count Dave Keon because it wasn't so much a contract thing either Harold Ballard just a dick he's no one's gonna argue with you on that and um we also did not really count ua croup although it is an interesting story which if you're not aware uh, i'll tell you quickly ua croup who scored the stanley cup winning goal in 96 was it for the colorado avalanche uh right wasn't it brian muir in 2001 or something yeah something like <laughs> um yeah so uh ua croup was suspended by the detroit red wings one time for over two and a half years because when he was hurt he was seen out dog sledding while he was on injured reserve <laughs> and so the team suspended him until um i don't even remember what happened but he ended up suing the red wings and basically over the course of a four-year contract that paid him what is like now the equivalent of like 20 million dollars um he basically played like 30 games for the red wings Right. He played 34 games in five years after signing that contract. Yeah. The other four Hilarious. were for the Atlanta Thrashers. Hilarious. So. Uh, but we didn't count him. But it's a funny story. So, well, it's not funny, but it's interesting. Uh, 10. What's number 10? Peter Nedved. Peter Nedved. So we're going back uh, 97, 98. Uh, this is actually Peter Nedved's second career holdout at mm -hmm. this point. He held out a few years earlier. And uh, Gotta say, the podcast... Big fans of Peter Nedved. Okay. We're big... Well, you are, aren't you? Oh, I don't mind him. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, okay. I thought you liked him a lot. Nah, he's okay. I like Peter he's Nedved. Okay. I don't have anything against him. He was mint. Yeah. Big fan. Um, Except for this, I guess, but... Yeah, so he, he basically, like, sets a career high in, in goals and points with the Penguins, and then is like, you know what? I'm the shit, so pay me like it. And the Penguins said, no, because we've got Marla Mew, and we've got Jeremy Yager, and we're not going to pay you. So Nedved sat out not one year, but two years, and parts just, of two years. Yeah, just kind of yeah. toiled around in like low-level Czech leagues and the IHL, and basically didn't work for two years and mm -hmm. didn't make any money for two years. And by the time he came back and got a deal done, he was traded to the Rangers. Um, he lost money. Like it's not like you know like he left money NHL. on the table basically. He left money on the table, but he also lost money. Like if he would have taken the contract that the Penguins had offered him originally, he would have actually made more money than he did by the time he came back Jesus. and made up the difference from having taken two-year sabbatical. I gotta say, 97-98, he played seven games in the Czech Tier 3 League. He got 25 points. Yeah. 
He's <laughs> good. Bad league. He's good. Theo, it's like Theo Fleury in the British Elite League numbers. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so that's number ten. Uh, number, uh, number ten. Number nine. What's nine. Eric Lindros, Quebec Nordiques. Right. Yeah. Um, Pretty famous story. Yeah, so what happened there, Eric, Eric Lindros was drafted by the Quebec Nordiques mm-hmm. after asking the Quebec Nordiques not to draft him. I will not play Do for the not. Quebec Nordiques. Let's take this guy. I thought that was a Russian accent again, or like a Czech. I thought yeah. you were doing Dominic Hasek there. <laughs> Razor. <laughs> Razor. <laughs> My back, Razor. <laughs> I can't play Razor. You're doing Peter Nedved, actually. Yeah. Same thing. Maybe. I, oh man, we gotta just start doing some Czech accents on the show. Do we? Um, so uh, yeah, so he basically he he did not want to be drafted by them. He didn't want to play there. They drafted him anyway, and he says, "Trade me the fuck out of here." So that is what they did. Now, uh, I believe it took a year. Did it not? Yeah, or did it happened right away. No, he played in the OHL. The, the oh yeah, he, he played draft, in the OHL. Uh, went won a gold medal or silver medal the Canadian Olympic team. Right, a year where he. Could, have, could have and would have played in yeah. the National Hockey League. Oh, but, I mean, you know, it, it didn't really do him a disservice to not go. Um, it seemed like it was going to be incredibly inconvenient for the Nordiques. It actually built the 1996 Stanley Cup winning team, in hindsight, uh, the trade. Yeah, well, they got lucky, too, because... They did. Um, they actually accepted two different offers for yeah. Eric Lindros. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah. How can you send Eric Lindros teach two different places? Teach our listeners, James. Uh, the answer is you can't. Uh, a person cannot be sent to two different locations well, yeah, but at one time. So, uh, yeah, the NHL had to bring in an arbitrator and decide which of the two deals. Uh, one was from the Rangers, one was from the Flyers. Uh, they sat out with the Flyers. So, yeah, Quebec gets Forsberg and a bunch of other pieces, I guess, that... Uh, Ended up bringing that cup together a few years later. Yeah, so. the um, the Nordiques acquired Steve Duchesne, Ron Hextall, Kerry Huffman, Mike Ricci, and the rights to Peter Forsberg, and the seventh overall pick in 97. Sick. Or, sorry, 92. 92. I don't know. I'm curious to see what they... Oh, and $15 million, which is incredibly significant. And they still had to leave town. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, the Rangers' offer, for what it's worth, was Tony Amante, Alexi Kovalev, John Van Beesbrook, Doug Waite, and three first-round picks and $12 million. Holy fuck. It, <laughs> <laughs> it, they could have been better, maybe. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know. You can't really you can't really replace Peter Forsberg. It's tough. That's He's something else. He didn't come in for a couple years either. Like, right. I think his rookie year was the year before they won the Cup. Yeah. So... Okay. But, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it changed the landscape of the NHL in the 1990s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Players realized, hey, we don't have to show up. Yeah. Yeah. And and eventually, like uh, once the new CBA came in, it gave the players more rights as well to do such a thing as well. Well, you could you could make the argument that Eric Lindros caused the 1994 uh, lockout shortened season in which he won the Hart Trophy. So it's all part of the plan. Thanks, Eric Lindros. Actually, Thanks for creating lockouts. You could even say that the commissioner's position the was one. developed because of Eric Lindros. And who got that inaugural commissioner's position? Gary Bettman. You can bet Thanks, on... Eric Lindros. You can bet on Bettman. Uh, I'm Bruce Battaglia. ESPN. Okay, number eight. Uh, Michael Pekka sits out the entire yeah. 2000-2001 season with the Buffalo Sabres. Not, now, not a ton of drama like 
standard drama. standard drama like right. like a he well i mean like i shouldn't say no drama he sat out the season and then never played there again so yeah. like that's a, sort of dramatic a, a but. standard holdout but i i think it kind of resonates especially with sabers fans just the timing uh you gotta remember this is a team that went to the the cup finals in 99 uh lost um and then in 2001 they were good this yeah. was a good Buffalo Sabres they, team. And, and we should have done our season predictions back then because uh, the, they're your cup pick for 2001. You think they would have won if they had Michael Peck. Yeah. I, I, well, so, I, it's, there you go, it's tough. The, the, the Ray Bork story, he, he, no one wants to take that away from anybody. Uh, and it would have been a, a tough finals. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like This is this was a good Buffalo Sabres team that, that went pretty far without their captain and arguably best player in Michael Peck. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in his prime like he led them in 99. This wasn't an offensively gifted squad. I mean, let's let's not beat around the bush here. They put all their marbles in Dominic Hasek. And a lot of Dominic Hasek talk in the podcast today. Raise that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, before Dominic Hasek Love pulled his dominator. back out. Love the Dominator. Uh, you could make the argument that he could have won a cup in a one yeah. had Michael Pekka showed up. Yeah. So. Well, two-time Selkie Trophy winning well, center. year after like, he signed, an like, absolute he came back dominant. and won the Selkie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy was unreal back then. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. Michael Pekka was, at one point, kids, actually, believe it or not, like, one of the faces of the National Hockey League, like, yeah. briefly. But, like, I mean, he was the captain of a very good team and was, like, some people thought just, like, a less offensive Mark Messier. Like, he was, sure. like... Just leadership and everything all around, and yeah. it says a lot when a guy like that sits out for a new contract. Definitely. Which I should also add, Mark Messier also did. Yeah, well. <laughs> he's not on our list. Mark Messier's not perfect. He also did that. Yeah. Uh, seven. Ken Dryden. I saw that. Ken Dryden. Yeah. I managed to look over the oh, table cool. here. Um, for those of you who don't know, because this is before all, uh, I mean, my time. I shouldn't say all of our times. Before the time we, of the podcast. We, we are allowed to have listeners over the age of like. 45 years old for sure yeah um but in 1973 uh ken dryden who was playing for the montreal canadians kids quite well uh quite well um was unhappy with the contract that the canadians offered him and on september 14th 1973 announced that he had accepted a position as a legal clerk at a toronto law firm and was going to be working there for the duration of the year For what it says is $135 a week on this article I'm reading. Yeah. yeah. Um, you could say that no player has ever been um, more successful when they entered into a, a holdout situation. Mm-hmm. Two seasons, two cups, one Calder, two Vesnas. Mm-hmm. This goalie was a good goalie. Mm-hmm. The best the league may have ever seen. And decided, nah, I'll just finish my law degree. And you know, yep. retire at thirty-two anyway, and become a lawyer. Yeah, which he did. Yeah, but he would go on to win a few more Vesnas and a few more cups. But yeah, at the time you got yeah, he came gotta, back and yeah. they just kept winning again. Like oh it was like God. he hadn't left. Yeah. Um, but he was obviously very crucial to them at the time. And he didn't. He play... he was an outstanding goaltender in an era where there really weren't no. a lot of outstanding goaltenders. And he didn't play goalie while he was away either. Like he played no, hockey, he, but he, he, he played worked. defense. Yeah. He yeah, was, he, he was playing defense played hockey in a, once in a, a week or league. something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was a fucking scrub skate at ten o'clock at night at Neving Arena. Something like basically. that. Basically. Yeah. Like um 
Yeah, and, and you know what? Good for him. Like he finished his law degree and everything. Yeah. During during that year, like it was a productive year. But I'm doing. And it's it's kind of cool that he did that. To be honest with you, yeah. Like I I, I like it. Went on to be an MPP and uh, the president of the Toronto Maple Leafs at one point. Mm. So there you go. I love one of my favorite things about looking back on old Leaf videos from like when we were kids and stuff like that. And it's and like Sundin scores, and it's just Bob Cole's going nuts, and everyone at the ACC is like clapping because like I don't know if you know this, kids, but like back in the day, fans used to go to Toronto Maple Leafs games. Shut up. And then you, they would just, like, pan over to Ken Dryden doing the most hilarious, like, clapping in the press box. Like, he's got a he's got a weird clap. I don't know if that's a YouTube video, but he's definitely in YouTube videos with his weird clap if you want to yeah. look it up sometime. Um, yeah. yeah, good for Ken Dryden, honestly. That's one of the holdouts where it's like, all right, good for the player. Yeah, I think. I, I'm, I'm down for that. I think it's cool. Number six. What do we got? Pavel Bure. Yes. Okay. This is an interesting one. Uh, Pavel Bure's holdout kind of it, like built up for five years. Fire for five years. So in '94, um, a rumor came out. A rumor came out that Pavel Bure was not interested in winning, and that Pavel Bure wanted out of Vancouver, and that Pavel Bure is a piece of shit, and that. You know, yeah. like Delta Airlines was going to frame him for murder. That's not a thing, but like... Something to do like with he, he wasn't going to play in the playoffs scuzzy. until he got yeah. the new contract. And uh, I, you might remember Don Cherry just blasting him on Coach's oh, Corner God, about it. he hated him. And then uh, it, took, it took Pat Quinn to come on in Coach's Corner and say like, No, Don, you're wrong. This isn't the situation. Well, it kind of could have been, because although it may not have been a problem at the time, it created a problem that, a few years later, uh, forced Pavel Bure to walk out on the Canucks, essentially. Basically, like, this was one of the first real, real evident instances in the 90s where Canadian media kind of got out of control. Yeah. And this one comment that, you know, Bure denies ever making and ever having that sort of... Um, you know, claim, um, like, basically, he said he didn't do it, and then fans just kind of ran with it, and people ran with it, members of the media ran with it, and as years just went on, like, fans just continued to, like, turn on Burray in, in Vancouver, and, like, ownership, reason, and, yeah, and yeah. like, you know what I mean, like, and it just kind of, like, built up and built up. Uh, to the point where, um, in 98, he told the Canucks that he just wasn't going to play there anymore. And right. he finally had enough, and, uh, and he left. And, uh, held out for a new contract. Eventually, he got traded a year later to Florida. Um, and, you know, obviously was fine there. And, and you know, issues took over good. his career. He's pretty good there, yeah. Yeah, um... A couple injuries... Took him out early, but but yeah. it, it's one of the few few situations that kind of reminded me almost of like Phil Kessel in Toronto, like that's yeah. kind of what it started to remind me of towards the end where it was just like leave the guy. There alone. really is yeah. actually like Phil Kessel did nothing wrong in his entire time in Toronto, no. and I'm we're not really sure that Pavel Bure ever did anything wrong in Vancouver either, no. other than finally just saying at the end fuck this, which eventually I hope Phil Kessel would have done in the alternate universe where he did not get traded and continued to just get blamed and fucking ran out of town. Yeah. You know what I mean? Screw that. 
I hear you. Number five. Um, Sergey Fedorov. Oh, so this, <laughs> this was it's a doozy. It's a doozy. This really didn't. It started out like nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Okay, so Sergey Fedorov, a couple cups, right? He's got a heart trophy to his name. He's established himself as one of the best players in the league. Bar none. Hard to win a heart trophy. Yeah. Um. So his contract ends, and he wants to get paid, like rightfully so. Yep. They've got Steve Yeisman, they've got Brennan Shanahan, they've got Nick Lidstrom. The Red Wing has got some money, but, you know, again, you can't pay everybody. So Sergei Fedorov holds out, and he holds out, and he holds out. And I'm not entirely sure how this worked, because Sergei Fedorov had been in the league long enough by this point, but was still somehow an RFA, must have been one of those old rules back in the day before the CBA came yeah. along. Well, you got to remember, he, yeah... Actually, I was going to say he didn't come over for a while, but I'm thinking of Larianov. Yeah. But, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. So, he, he uh, he's holding out, he's holding out, he's holding out. And then in February, so the, the season's now half over. In February, the Carolina Hurricanes come along and they offer him an offer sheet. $2 million for the last 30 games of the season. A $15 million signing bonus. And a $12 million bonus in his contract should his team... Whoever he's playing for, whether which, it be the Hurricanes or the Detroit Red Wings, reach the Stanley Cup Finals, which the Detroit Red Wings had actually just done. Yes, the season before, and it's we're almost about like to as do if again. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And he signed it. Never. He <laughs> signed. Oh, he signed the offer sheet. Hundred percent. And basically said, like, how could you not be sitting on the Red Wings side and look at this offer sheet? And Hurricanes are like, all right, here, here's the deal, and you're reading it, and it's not like. Oh, so he's basically just saying, I don't want to fucking play here. And if I do, you're going to give me a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe just let him play for us. Yeah. Mm, nah, we're going to keep him. Yeah. No, but he doesn't want to play here. Nah, we're going to keep him. But he doesn't want to play. No, nah, we'll keep him. But thank you. Yeah. Okay. They won their cup. It worked out fine. They were good the rest of the time he was there. But what? he next chance he had, he fucking left. Yeah. One of my favorite back backstories to this whole thing too is that at the same time that this was going on, um, the Hurricanes were in on a deal where they were trying to trade away Keith Primo, who wasn't happy. He wasn't happy in Hartford. He wasn't happy when they moved him uh, when they when they all moved uh, to Carolina, and he wanted out. And there was a deal in place with the Phoenix Coyotes to send Keith Kachuk back to Carolina in exchange for Keith Primo. And the owner basically said, yeah, sorry, we can't make the deal. Keith Kachuk's contract jumps to twice his salary next season, and we can't afford him. Which is fair. Mm -hmm. That's fine. You're a small market organization. You can't bring in the, the big money guys that already have the big money contracts. Who was Kachuk playing for when this happened? Coyotes. Yeah. but Who also had like, they're not on the list, but the Coyotes also had quite a few yeah. contract issues right. during the same time as well. So, okay, fine. You don't have the money to, to make these big contracts. But meanwhile, a couple months later, you're going to offer Sergei Fedorov a contract that has a stipulation that you can't go to the Stanley Cup Finals without getting paid money, which the Hurricanes were going to do in the next five years. 
if you sign that contract, like if, if the Hurricanes end up getting Fedorov in that deal, how do the fans not freak out? Oh, so you, you're not trying to build a winner now? Because th- how do you justify going out there and spending money to lose money? <laughs> yeah. It, be- it becomes a whole other can of worms yeah. if Fedorov signs in Carolina. That's true. Do they try to win? Do they just ride out the contract? <laughs> Hope for the best? You know, the, Weird. the conference finals is Especially good enough. With a, We're with done. a franchise like the Hurricanes. Too. Right. Yeah. A very interesting scenario. That is kind of weird. Uh, number four. Another Russian. Our third Russian in a row. Alexei Yashin. What an asshole. See, I used to like wonder as a kid, and again, I don't think this. I'm just saying. I used to wonder as a kid, you'd always hear, like, ah, oh, those fucking Russians. They the always want to just go back to Russia. And I'm like, I always thought as a kid, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And then you kind of look up, like, NHL contracts, and it's like, oh, yeah, there was, like, five years there where, like, every Russian was just like, I don't want to play here. Yeah. <laughs> every like, Russian. It, yeah. Yeah. Like, there could have been more on this list. We cut out a lot of them. We could have had the top ten Russian contracts. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. But that, you know. Yeah. Our top one isn't Russian, is it? No, that's fair. Oh, nice. We, we I, this is the last Russian. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. So it's not that bad. For, with Russia, this, with love. This is your most famous Russian... Razor. Said the Spartadox hostel, the coolest hostel in all the countries of Europe. I bet everyone thinks that we just get drunk and do these podcasts, but we, we don't. Oh, man. No, we're, just, we'll tell you when we're, when yeah. we're having beers. Probably um, next uh, Wednesday. When we record the first one of the actual season, yeah, we're we'll be having beers, cool. watching hockey. Um, uh, yeah. Alexi Yashin. Yeah, so he, so this was hilarious. Yeah, he. Uh, you tell the story, and then sure. I, I want to set up the image okay. once you're done. Okay. okay. So yeah, Alexi Yashin, the face of the Ottawa Senators franchise, of course. Um, decides, I think it was 1998, that uh, you know he didn't really like Ottawa. You know he he thought uh, you know it might be time for uh, a change of scenery. And he tells his agent this, and his agent basically goes to the Senators and says, Hey, so my guy's not going to play for you this season uh, unless you trade him. Um, and the Senators uh, say, No, uh, we're not going to do that. So Alexa Yashin sets out the whole season, and the next season tries to convince the NHL that his contract's up, because his contract was a three-year deal, let's call it, and that was the last year of the deal. The Senators come along and say, well, hang on. The contract stipulated that you had to play for three years. The NHL agrees. <laughs> they tell Yashin, you know, sorry, you didn't read the fine print. You didn't fulfill your contractual agreement. You got to play another year in Ottawa. Yeah. No, not just in Ottawa. Which is fine. They, just anywhere. Yeah. You got to play another year before you get a new right. contract. So he comes back. And Ottawa is like, oh, great. We got more <laughs> 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 This guy doesn't want to be here. What? He stayed you're, home you're for an him? entire year because he didn't want to play for you. Because he hates Ottawa. And he you, hates it there. And you guys are good and he doesn't like it there. And you made him play the whole season. Oh, yeah. Just made him eat it He's up. He's sulking around in his turtleneck out there. He's just doing loops around. Shane Corson's following him around the ice. And just you know like, the whole hey, time. Yashin. How's that contract, buddy? And he's just skating around like, leave me alone. My bad. Tried to play hockey here. And and you know the whole time that the GM Uber was back then is just down his neck. If you don't put up some points this year, we're not moving you at the deadline. Wouldn't have been Brian Murray. Yeah, probably was Brian. Probably Murray. Brian Murray. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, Brian Murray's playing hardball. That's for sure. it. 
I hope it was Brian Murray. I'm gonna look it up. If you don't put the points on the board, you're not getting out of uh, O Town for sure. Yeah. Bod. Yeah. So uh Number three. Yeah. Uh we're coming back to a name we've mentioned before, uh, Eric Lindros. Second time on the list. Round two. Epic. Uh you love this one. Well, you don't love it. You, you uh, find it very interesting. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I hate that it happened. Uh, I mean, I should clarify that, like, when I first started... When I first started watching hockey, it was because Eric Lindros. Like, Eric Lindros in His 99, yeah. when I started watching hockey... Um, he was the man. He... Yeah, like, he, he, he... That was the season when he was getting hurt. But, you know, it was very clear when I started watching hockey. People had, you know, started getting me into watching hockey... Um, that he was a dominant force in the league. Yeah. And, you know, I loved watching him play when he was healthy, and, and you know, I'm a big fan of his. Um, but it's not because I'm a big fan of his that, um, you know, I side with him on his contract dispute in 2000-2001. I just think it is the one of the most insane stories that I've ever heard in the NHL of actually what happened, and... And as far as we can tell, here are the details. Is while he was having all these concussion issues, uh, at one point he suffered a collapsed lung, um, which was caused by some internal bleeding that he had from one of these hits. Um, <laughs> James just opened up a picture of Gritty on his uh, laptop, just, you know, just in case you need some cheering up during the sad story. Uh, I, I didn't know if I was going to have to break down what he looked like, so I just wanted to have an image ready to go, and I yeah. forgot it was open. Yeah. Um, Sorry. So this happened, and, and the Flyers medical staff, uh, Lindros was having some discomfort, and, you know, like, well, extreme discomfort, and uh, told me that he had a rib injury, and that's all it was. Uh, Lindros because he was kind of unsure about the Flyers' medical staff, eventually looked into a second opinion. And that doctor told him that he had a collapsed lung and that they were going to need to fix that or he was going to die very soon. So this doctor essentially saved Eric Lindros' life and, and in a sense, Lindros saved his own life um, by looking into it further. And um, as a fallout from a lot of these injuries, from this concussion, from the seeking out... A second opinion from the medical staff, not trusting the medical staff. Um, the Flyers stripped him of his captaincy, following right away. At the end of the year, Lindros' contract was up, and he said, I would like a trade, or I would like this type of contract. And the Flyers said no to both things, and he sat out the entire season. Listen, if Lindros had a little more proof... He could have sued that organization for a lot of money. He still could. He time. still probably could. Probably I should. don't know how that works. We'll talk to our next our guest next week who is legal advice. Knows a little bit more about law than I do. Um, but essentially, like it was unbelievable negligence on the part of the Flyers. Why the fuck would he want to go back there? He got treated like shit from the moment he. Well, not from the moment he got there, but as the years went on. He got treated like shit the entire time he was there. The more he got hurt, Bobby Clark made it seem like it was his fault. And eventually he says, I want out, fuck it, I'm done here. And he asked for one thing. Trade me to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs even say, hey, we'll give you Thomas Caberlet. Which, like, would have been fine. Yeah, and the Flyers the time, are like, ah, nah, yeah. we're good. Thank you, though. We're going to continue to just let him sit 
in Philadelphia yeah. where he hates it, but that's fine. Yeah, completely I, I, on if, Lindros' side out of anyone on this list. Yeah, I think that was kind of the most ridiculous if, thing. If 1991 Lindros was an asshole, 2001 Lindros was to some degree a hero for yeah. you know setting the mark that players shouldn't have to jump through these kind of hoops, especially when it comes to medical issues. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Number two, we're going back. The last right. the last two here, we got uh, some older stories. Number two. Bobby Hull. They're crazy, though. Oh, they're Like, nuts. these are insane. Like, if you don't know about these things, buckle up. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Hull, who... I actually feel like we should maybe mention this. We're not a large fan of. No. To say it lightly. Yeah. Bobby Hull is maybe not the greatest person. And maybe has some views. Definitely has some views. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that members of the podcast, at least two of them... Do not share very wild and crazy views this man has. But uh, at a time, he was really good at hockey. And at yes. the same time, he was also really good at knowing how to be good at hockey and how to use that to his advantage. Um, he continued to have poor contract offers in the NHL because at the time, you didn't make a lot of money. Yeah. And at the time where the WHA was starting up, which, if you don't know, there was a rival, sort of, not rival, kind of rival hockey league of the NHL for like seven years in the in the 70s. Yeah. And Bobby Hall said uh, to the NHL that, hey, I'm going to go play for the Winnipeg Jets of the WHA. I'm going to make millions of dollars. And the NHL's like, you're crazy. Bye. See you later, you nutcase. And he went and he signed for, like, he basically made $10 million by going there in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, he basically allowed that league to exist for, let's call it a few years longer than yeah. it probably would have yeah. without Bobby Hull. Because they had, they had a Bobby Orr type, in the sense right. that it's just an absolutely marketable superstar. Yeah. That you go to the rink every night and this guy's going to put on a freaking show. Older members of the audience may recall that the 72 Summit Series, in which the Canadian team was made up of pros for the first time, um, featured Bobby Hull, the only player not in the NHL at the time. Bobby Hull was allowed to play for this this super team. Mm-hmm. That's how good he was. It wasn't like he was a low-level star at the end of his career that decided, oh, I'm going to grind it out for a few more years in some rival league. He was a bona fide star at this point. Mm-hmm. He was older, sure, but yeah. he was he was still leading the league in, in goals, I think, the year before, or maybe, yeah. you know, within reason. And, yeah, I mean, the year before he left, he scored 50 goals. There you go. Which, you know, like in 70-71, or 71-72, rather, is a lot of goals. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. still, like, to compare that, that's, like, 50 goals today. Like, that's yeah, a lot it, of goals. It'd be the equivalent of Ovechkin today going back to the KHL. Yeah. You know, kind of on the same level. You know, Sort of. Both the same age, both the same. Sort of, but at least the KHL is established. True. This WHA, like, who, who the hell knew, man? This league could have lasted four games, and Bobby Hall's like... Uh, like they're just like look at Bobby Hall and it's like a guy sitting in like his mom's basement it's like I don't have any money I, I, I rented some ice time we're out of ice time yeah. I don't know I wasn't never gonna pay you fucking 10 million dollars you nut case but not, uh, 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 yeah uh. Um, in 411 games in the WHA he scored or he had 638 points not bad he absolutely crushed that league and this was all because he didn't like his salary in the NHL. So yeah. it's a good, like, stick it to the NHL story. 
before the NHL really needs some sticking sticking it to it. Yeah. No. No players. You before the NHL then. was a bad league. Yeah. Well, it was so. a bad league just for like different labor law reasons, which yeah. are not as important as now. Like you know. Of course not. You know yeah. the issues of today, like teams wearing dark jerseys instead right. of white when they're home. Right. So I know what you're thinking. Um, what could possibly be crazier than oh. a guy establishing an entire league? For himself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> making his own league. The Montreal Canadiens took it to a whole other level in 1952. Jean Beliveau, uh, a young teenager at the time, wasn't too sure if pro hockey was the way he wanted to go. Now the guy could play. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah. Wow. Um, he was lighting up the junior leagues left and right at the age of 15. Um, back then there was no draft, so the Habs they go forth and they offer him a um, a contract, not really a contract, a, a sign a signing sheet agreement. Yeah, uh, uh, an agreement to rights, I guess. Yeah, you're of. gonna show up on your 18th birthday at this time for this much money, and you're gonna be a Montreal Canadian. And uh, Jean Beliveau's father basically said, "No, he's not." <laughs> and more or less he's 14 he's going to fight in the war like a regular teenager yeah so instead um what happened was the Bellavos basically told the Habs that if he decides he's going to play pro hockey which he hasn't yet then then we'll talk and it'll be the Canadians you you can keep his rights but we're not guaranteeing that he's ever going to play pro hockey he's just not that interested in hockey so the Habs go out and find a loophole uh, Beliveau continues to play in the Quebec junior ranks, and the stipulation of the agreement made between Beliveau and the Habs was that if he ever played pro hockey anywhere, that he would be contractually obligated to report to the Canadiens. So the Habs bought the entire league in 1952, essentially made it a pro league by paying its players and the next season, Beliveau had to report for training camp as a full-time member of the Montreal Canadiens. An entire league. Do you ever think about the fact that it's kind of weird that the most cherished member in the history of the most cherished franchise in the history of the sport sort of held said player hostage? <laughs> and, like, now they celebrate John Beliveau, and it's just kind of like, ah, we kind of had a gun to his head the whole time. <laughs> Coming out, passing the torch to Max Pastrini. Can I go home, please? No! <laughs> like, they got that chair there. Yeah. And it's just like, you, like, you can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. And like he's passed, uh, he's passed away now, and oh you know all all, all respect oh, too. Weird, but his, his wife still goes, and, and now you're thinking about. like, do they have the wife in on yeah. it too? Don't, don't, don't get me wrong, yeah. right? Like as time goes on, bygones be bygones, and and you know obviously he loved playing there, and he probably would have played there anyway. Yeah, it was just more like he didn't love the process, and yeah, uh, he tried to he wanted basically to tell them yeah. just leave me the fuck alone. And the Habs, yeah. in the only case on this list, were like really creepy and scary about it like (laughs) (laughs) don't don't even like acknowledge the fact too that like they paid an entire league they bought the league so their their like player personnel would have had like 150 players on their roster for that season because they all would have technically been property of the montreal canadians the entire junior league yeah it's uh 
it's kind of bizarre. And like, oh man, yeah, it's it's great. And then he went on to play 19 seasons there. Yeah, a couple cups. A couple cups. One or two. 1,200 points. <laughs> yeah. That's our uh, that's our top ten. That's it. Top ten wild contract disputes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I said, we're gonna have a we have a guest next week. Uh, I should say it is a co-host. Yeah, it's we're it's actually not, yeah we're gonna it's have gonna a guest the, the entire episode. episode. Yeah. yeah, it's not just a, it's not just an interview. I don't I don't know about you guys, and let us know if you if you have any thoughts. Like I don't I don't always love just a guest. All the time, like a guest interview. Sometimes they're not even interesting. I'd almost rather have someone on for for quite a while, depending on who the, who the person is. Yeah, we're gonna have guests, we're gonna have interviews, and we're gonna make sure they're inter- interesting interviews. We're not gonna have people on just for the sake I of mean, having people on. Interesting to us. So we don't care what everyone else thinks, right? Well, I I would say the opposite, but yeah, okay. Oh, that's no, our nobody's that's our all, approach. Nobody's all that interesting to me, so I, talk I don't really. That before we get on the air. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll have to re-plan all of our guests this. Uh, this year, then I guess. Okay, I'll cancel okay. my I'll cancel my Delhi guy that I was going to bring on. Salmon Association guy. Yeah. I mean, like, what's he saying? He's only interested to me, right? So. Hey, know. salmon guy. Oof. How you doing, bud? Get me fired up. Okay. Uh, what are we at here? Well, it's yeah, that's probably long enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Find us on Stitcher and. Stit. Oh yeah, right. We're on Stitcher now. We're on a lot of things. Uh, Stitcher, we're on Google Podcasts. Clomper. Uh, Clomper. You gotta get Clomper. You gotta get Clomper, man. <laughs> you guys don't have Clomper, man. Oh, man. Turd journey. We should have Mark, uh, we should have Mark Marin on one week. Yeah, okay. We'll get this, we'll get the co-star of Glow on, That's on our podcast. That's, my, my goal one day would not even for him to be on my podcast. I'd love to be on his. Sure. He's got a good podcast. Great guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, does he watch hockey, do you think? No. No. Not a chance. Okay. Okay. Guess that's it. Uh, that's it. We'll see, see you next see week next twice. Week. Yeah. Yeah. Double duty. Okay. Okay. do 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 Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. Well, see you later.
Here come my deputies, gonna come and get me I gotta get to get up front They got the silence, I ran by attitudes They gonna put me in a cell if I can't get 